Good to see everybody. You guys are quiet. You're either in turkey comas, it's cold outside, or not sure what's going on, but uh, everybody feel it? You feel it? You feel like, yeah, it's Saturday night, and you're like, oh, I don't know. I, yeah. Anyway, it's good to see everybody here. Thanks for coming on out, and uh, excited to have you here. I um, want to welcome everyone who's here, who's watching online as well. Hope you've recovered from Thanksgiving, uh, whatever you ate on Thanksgiving. Anybody hate turkey? You just absolutely hate turkey. We have a few. All right, we got one. Anybody else? No. In my house, at our Thanksgiving, we had my brother-in-law hates turkey. None of his kids eat it, so they had chicken nuggets. Um, <laughs> that's all right. I mean, I actually had to cut the turkey this year. That was a new experience for me. It was, yeah, that was, uh, that was not. And then, and then not only that, then my mom and grandma were like, oh, we have three turkeys. It's like three. I'm, not, I'm a rookie here, and I only cut two of them. I don't know what happened to the third one. I left that one for you guys. Um, we have a lot of leftovers, a lot of leftovers. We take it serious. They made turkeys just for leftovers. I mean, that's like pro tip. All right, make turkeys just for leftovers. Um, I'll just warn you right now, I don't know how this message is going to go. I don't know my emotional state, <laughs> so um, you can just give me some grace because I don't know how I'm going to do today, but I'll do my best. Um, this week, we've been prompted to reflect on what we're thankful for, right? That's what we've been doing, thinking about Thanksgiving. What are you thankful for? To reflect, hopefully, on what you have or what ha you have had, not so much just focus on what you don't, right? Like, that's the whole thing, It's to, to take time to be thankful and not complain. I've been especially reflective um, this past week on, you know, my family, my dad, and things like that, what I've been thankful for. And as I was preparing this message, I have this little tiny, like, falling apart binder in my office filled with sermon illustrations that my dad collected through the years. My dad was a preacher, and he collected and assembled um, these little sermon illustrations. Some of them are super old. I mean, really, really old. Um, and I can remember him telling these stories when he preached. Um, he loved telling stories. He was good at it. He said, a good story, poorly told, is like burnt steak. <laughs> right? You ruined it. It, it could have been great, and you told it wrong. Um, he, he loved stories, and I'd like to share one of those stories with you. You may have heard it before. I've probably shared it here. It's a very well-known story. It's not unique to him. Um, it's a fictional story about a teacher named Miss Thompson. All right? It's probably one of the first stories I remember my dad telling or standing out in my mind as a, as a kid. Um, so each September, Miss Thompson would greet her students with that same line, you know, um, welcome boys and girls, I love you all the same, so excited, I have no favorites, which is a lie, all of you teachers, because you know that you have favorites, um, and what's worse, sometimes teachers have students they just don't like, like forget favorites, there's students they just, Teddy Stallard, Teddy Stallard was a boy Miss Thompson just didn't like, and for good reason. Uh, Teddy was a moody boy who sat slouched in his seat, um, answered every question with either a yes or no. Um, his clothes were musty. His hair wasn't, you know, kept real well. Um, he was unattractive in just about every way. Teddy was just one of those kids. Teachers are like, oh, they're in my class this year. Um, and whenever she marked Teddy's papers, she got a certain perverse delight out of checking off the wrong answers and Xing things out. And uh, she, when she put an F at the top of her, 
his papers. She did it with a little bit of flair. Like, that was a nice-looking F. Like, I mean, she really got her money's worth there. Um, some of you teachers hopefully don't know what I'm talking about here, but I have a feeling that whether it be a, a teacher or a, uh, you know, if you're working for just somebody's report, you know what it's like when you get that pleasure marking somebody wrong. And Ms. Thompson should have known better because teachers have access to records. And if she had read Teddy's records, she would have seen this. First grade, Teddy shows promise with his work and his attitude. Second grade, Teddy is a good boy, but he's too serious for a second grader. His mother is ill. Third grade, Teddy is becoming withdrawn and detached. His mother died this year, and his father shows no interest. Fourth grade, Teddy is a troubled child. He needs help. Christmas came, and the children presented, uh, brought presents to Miss Thompson and piled them on her desk, and they crowd around to watch her open them all, and the presents were wrapped with brightly colored paper and bows, except for Teddy's, which was some brown paper bags with some scotch tape. But to tell the truth, she was surprised that he actually brought a gift at all. Um, and so as she was opening up his, out fell a rhinestone bracelet with most of the stones missing and an almost empty bottle of cheap perfume. The other children giggled at the mostly shabby gifts, and Miss Thompson had enough sense to snap on the bracelet and take a little bit of that perfume and put it on her wrist, and holding up her wrist to the children, she said, you know, isn't it lovely? And the children taking a cue, yes, Miss Thompson, you know. At the end of the day, when all the other children had left, Teddy came over to her desk and said softly, Miss Thompson, all day today, you smelled just like my mother used to. And that's her bracelet you're wearing. It looks nice on her. I'm glad you like my presents. And after he left, she got down on her knees and buried her head in her hands, and she cried, and she cried, and she cried, and she asked God to forgive her. And the next day, when the children came to class, they had a new teacher. It was still Miss Thompson but she was not the same person. She cared in ways that the old teacher didn't. She reached out in ways that the old teacher didn't. She reached out to all the children, but especially to Teddy. She nurtured him and encouraged him and tutored him when he needed extra help. And by the end of that school year, Teddy had caught up with a lot of children. He was even ahead of some. Eventually, Teddy moved away. And Miss Thompson didn't hear from him for a long time. They had lost, lost touch. Then one day, seemingly out of nowhere, there was a letter in the mail, and it said this, Dear Miss Thompson, I'm graduating from high school. I wanted you to be the first to know. Love, Teddy Stallard. There wasn't any address. And four years later, there was another short note, and it read, Dear Miss Thompson, I wanted you to be the first to know. I'm second in my class. College hasn't been easy, but I've really enjoyed it. Love, Teddy Stallard. And four years later, there was still another note. It said, Dear Miss Thompson, as of today, I am Theodore J. Stallard, M.D. How about that? I wanted you to be the first to know. I'm going to be married the 27th of July, to be exact, and I would like you to come and sit where my mother would have sat. You're the only family I have now. Dad died last year. Love, Teddy Stallard. And she went. And she sat where Teddy's mother would have sat because she deserved to be there. 
She had made a difference in the kingdom of God. And she deserved her reward. Now, I remember the first time my dad told that story as a kid. And, I mean, I was young, and I, for some reason, felt like crying as a kid. I still have a hard time reading that. I'm doing okay in public, but I can tell you that when I was writing this, I was a disaster. We live in a world full of Teddy Stallards. People with stories we know nothing about. People we judge based on how they sound, how they look, how they act. People for whom the genuine love from another might actually change their story. That's one of the few things I'm so, one of the many things I'm so grateful about from my dad. Because he was a Teddy Stallard. (laughs) He was quiet and awkward and easy to overlook kind of kid. At least that's what they tell me. I wasn't there. And along the way, it was a single mom and two older brothers and a random uncle and a track coach and a couple of older pastors here and there who had enough love in their hearts to see what God saw when they looked at my dad. And they loved him, and it brought out the best in him. And I know that because he became the kind of person who saw that in me. Because there were many days where I feel like Teddy Stallard. I've never been impressive. I know it's hard to believe, but I've never been impressive. I was a quiet kid. I was squarely in the middle academically, like solid B, B minus, right there. Um, The pinnacle of my athletic career was the JV bench. (laughs) Um, Certainly not the life of any party, and I wasn't voted most likely to do anything (laughs) in my yearbook. Um, There was nothing that would have stood out. But my mom and dad loved me, and I knew it. And that love enabled me to see what God sees when he sees me. See, when the feedback that you receive from the world around you is just what they see, you can begin to believe it. It's very easy to begin to believe what people say about you. And it sinks into your heart. You can accept that narrative that, you know, you're nothing special. You're okay. You're just ordinary. You don't, you don't stand out. Just... Just stay out of the way. Do your thing. Mind your own business. But knowing that you are truly loved, like that changes things. It really, really changes things. See, because in some way, all of you are Teddy Stallards. All of us are. We all have a need to be loved. And not just loved like I love you. Like deeply loved. Seen, understood, cared for. We all have challenges and pain in our lives, and often other people don't know anything about it. You can put on a happy face when you come to church on a Saturday night. You can go about your business, and you can go through the day, and nobody will know. For me, if I have a hat on, that's my signal to the rest of the world, don't talk to me. (laughs) I'm going to ShopRite, I'm putting the hat on, and I'm wearing a mask because I just don't want you to see anything about me, and I just want to get my stuff done. Like, leave me alone. That's my signal. Hey, you know, I just, right? That's how we cope. Not in the mood. Leave me alone. For some people, it's grief. For others, it's hurt. For others, it's fear, maybe loneliness, perhaps disappointment, regret. I don't know what it is that you carry that nobody else knows. But those things affect us, and they respond to the way we live our life, and we're 
We're all somehow kind of like Teddy, sitting in the back of a classroom, hoping against hope that maybe somewhere there's a teacher. Maybe there's somebody that's going to get a glimpse of who we really are and look past all our stuff and love us for who God has made us. Because we need that voice of love to be loud because there are so many other voices that are not loving and they're very loud. But we're not only the people, we're not the only people that need to hear this, right? Like, there's a whole world of people that need to hear this. This year, our theme for the year, we felt like God said this was going to be a year of good news, great joy, all people. You feel it? You feel that good news? Great joy, all people, right? Oh, man, overflowing with joy. See, everybody is a Teddy Stallard. Everybody has a story. And that good news that brings good joy is for all of those people. You can, I mean, look around us. There are so many people that need to hear this stuff. Love isn't just a feeling, right? It's not just, it's more than a feeling. It's an action. I love my favorite band, Switchfoot. I talk about them all the time. They have a song that says, Love is a Movement. It's a movement. It wasn't just a change in Miss Thompson's heart. It wasn't just, hey, I'm going to think about Teddy different. It was the way that she responded to them, the way that she acted around him, the way that she interacted, the way that she went out of her way to care for him in that story. And I want to read something that I think from the scriptures that speaks directly to this, that, that hopefully is, gives us a little bit of strength today, a little bit of direction, a little bit of an action step, because I think it's so important for us to hear because there are people that need this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 12, it's a prayer from Paul, and he says this, May the Lord make your love for one another and for all people grow and overflow just as our love for you overflows. It's a letter to the church, which is to a group of people. Paul is sending this letter out to a group of people very much like us in a church in a local area. And he's challenging them. Your love for all people needs to be growing. Sometimes it's really helpful to clarify what somebody is not saying to help us really recognize the point of what he is saying. So I'm going to do that for you. You're welcome. Here we go. Ready? Paul is not saying here, tolerate all people. That's saying, so you should tolerate all people so that way you get through life. You should figure out how to just put up with everybody. Figure out how to, figure out how to, live without actually being around people? How do you just silence the haters? You know, how do you get through life? You know, cut off the toxic people. Find a way to get, to live your best life. That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to just do you. Ignore everybody else around you. You just need to run your race and ignore everyone. No, you know, he says you should love only the people you like or agree with on Facebook. Um, He's not saying the way you, and he's, he's not even saying that the way you love today is good enough. His charge is clear. We either have to accept it or reject it, but it's clear. It says your love is supposed to be growing until you get to the point where your love is overflowing. That's the, that's, that's the charge. Love all people until that love 
overflows. Until they begin to love other people. That's the measure of overflowing. It's not just you love somebody else, but you love them into loving others. (laughs) Do we have work to do? Goodness. Do you have love in your heart for all people? If you say yes, you're lying. (laughs) Come on. I mean, I'm not just talking about generally all people. Think about the people that get your blood boiling. Who came to mind? Don't name them. (laughs) Too easy, right? Think about who has caused you pain. Mm. You know, here's the thing. I just need to tell you right now. I sometimes hate preaching. (laughs) Because every time I preach, it, like, gets tested. I had a dream last night very vivid dream about somebody that bothers me. And we were having a shouting match in my dream. It was not a good dream. And it's this. And then I'm, I'm getting ready for today, and God's saying, well, you want to pray, you're praying for that person? I'm like, come on. It wasn't even me. It didn't happen. It was a dream. And I'm already feeling annoyed about it. And now I'm having a hard time praying about that person because I had a dream about being annoyed about that person. And it's none of you. Don't worry. Everybody's like, is it? No, it's nobody in the room. Hmm. Love all people until that love is overflowing. And, and just in case we're not really clear exactly on what God is talking about, Jesus, Jesus makes it really clear for us in Luke chapter 6. And he says this, To, to you who are willing to listen, <laughs> I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. Verse 32, you can skip down. It says, if you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. Verse 35, love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. He continues, then your reward from heaven will be very great and you will be truly acting as children of the Most High. For he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. See, the, the qualifications for God to love people is very low. <laughs> God says, okay, I'm going to love the unthankful. I'm going to love the wicked. So we already know that's the kind of God we serve, a God who loves those kind of people. When we hear the story of Teddy, it's very easy to judge the teacher and be like, how could a teacher do that? How could anybody not love a kid, not see all that brokenness in that kid? We'd never be unkind like that. Yet you let that kid grow up into that person on social media or into that coworker that you can't stand or into that family member that just brings drama everywhere they go. And all of a sudden, it's pretty easy to sympathize with Miss Thompson. You're like, you know what? Teddy can take a hike. <laughs> I don't care about Teddy right now. Teddy makes me nuts. And Jesus is crystal clear. Love all people. And that Greek word for all is all. Nothing, there's no wiggle room. No matter how much pain they cause you. He says, love those who hurt you. 
Love those who curse you, who hate you. I mean, I don't know how many, at this point, a lot of people throw in the towel. They're like, okay, you know what? God, I can't do that. That's too much. You're asking way too much of me. You really are genuinely asking too much of me. We don't always get the benefit of knowing somebody's backstory. It's nice here because we can read a little story about Teddy and we can hear all the back and we can get sympathy in our heart because, oh, we understand why that happened to him. But we live among people, we don't get that benefit all the time. You don't know why that person acts the way they do. All you know is that they make you crazy, that they're difficult, that they're hurtful, that they're relentless. We don't always get to do that. And so either we make up our own story about them or we simply write them off because we can't even figure it out and it's too much. So then we come to God and God's like, hey, love them. Come on. God, you're asking too much. Why can't faith just be about trusting you, God? Me and you, I'm going to do the best I can here, but I can't deal with all this other stuff. Why does God ask us to love all people? It's really not fair. We don't have the capacity to do that. John 13, 35, Jesus says this. says, your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. Will prove to the world that you're actually following me. It's not our love for people we like that stands out, but it's our love for all people that signals to the world that there's something different going on. See, that there's something different about God, that there's something powerfully different about God, about his love. His love is, his love is not like our love, just more but it's transcendent. It's something altogether different, a different order, a different kind of love. See, real love, the love of God, is stronger than hate. See, real love, the love of God, that is stronger than our convenience. Real love is stronger than our differences. Real love is stronger than our understanding. I don't have to understand someone to love them. I don't have to be like someone to love them. I don't have to like someone (laughs) to love them. Real love is is impossible unless it comes from a place of unconditional love. The only reason we can love people is because we know how we are loved. You know, they say hurt people hurt people, right? Loved people love people. And... It's not that believers in Jesus are more loved than anybody else in the world. We're not. God loves us all equally. But Christians ought to be the most loving simply because we're aware of the fact that we're loved in ways that the rest of the world hasn't yet been made aware. We are to love people. The way we love people is a, it just, it's a signal to the whole world. There's something powerfully different going on here. That's why God chose love to be the sign. It's not easy and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to warn you now. Listen, my week's been rough. Now here, your week's going to be great. <laughs> God is, there's going to be people perhaps that test this. And I'm just going to encourage you. Be on guard. Stand strong. You can do this. It's a sign to all people that God is a God who loves them differently than any love they've ever known. You can't fake real love. 
You, you can't, because you can smell it when somebody's being disingenuous. You can feel it, you know it. That's why Paul writes this in Romans 12, 9. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Because you know what? We can pretend, and people pretend with us. Has to be real. So let's hammer this out. Let's kind of bring this full circle. We're supposed to go to all people. Right? Either going or sending, but we're always going. We've always got this posture of going into all peop- to all people. I'm supposed to prepare the way for Jesus to come to all people. Right? So I'm going, I'm preparing the way, and it needs to come from a place of real love. We can't just be the church and not actually love people. And not just some people, but all people. God is putting this on us and says, hey, church, I need you to love people. I need you to love people. So we've got this all there. So if you and I are here right now, and perhaps, perhaps, there might be people in your life that are hard to love, and you struggle with that. You're like, I don't think I can do that. I don't know how. How do we invite God to plant a seed of love in our heart for someone perhaps you genuinely hate? If you're honest. God can handle our honesty. You can say, that person, I despise them. They've caused me so much pain. They do so much hurtful things in this world. They hurt people I love. They're a constant source of division. I hate that person. You can be honest with God. He won't leave you there, but you can be honest with God. We've got to be real, right? I mean, we don't. We could pretend like we don't think that, but I don't know. Hopefully, I'm not offending you. <laughs> but what do we do with that, God? You t- you're calling me to love all people. I just don't know if I have the capacity. How do we get there? Thankfully, Paul gives us two very practical, but very powerful action steps. Two things that you can begin to do. Now, listen, they're not magic. It's not like once you do this thing, all of a sudden, your heart starts to be loving towards everybody. It doesn't work like that. It could be a long time. It could t- I just want to prepare you. You may start to do these things, and it may still be difficult for you to deal with those people. You may not all of a sudden feel like, I just want to give them a hug all the time, unless you want to hug the life out of them. <laughs> like, this is something different. Two very practical steps. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, he says this, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them intercede on their behalf. I just want to st- stay right there. Listen, pray for them. Pray for them. And here's, the, oh, ready? Here's it's a really practical thing, but it's going to be so hard. Ready? Say their name. You know who I'm talking about. There's, just pick one person this week. That one person, you know who it is. That one person this week. You pick that one person, and I'm going to tell you, pray for them by name. God, I want to pray for... Blah, 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 right? like it's it's going to be hard to get the name out of your mouth sometimes. But you don't just have to name them. He goes on. He says, Doesn't, don't just say their name, but ask God to help them. Ask God to, God, I'll be honest, I've been working this through in my own life. It's hard. It's painful. There are times, it's just, it's a war. 
It's a war. God, and, and it might sound like this. Yeah, help them. <laughs> you know where to help them. Help them, ah, help them, help them. Okay, God, it's good, right? It's, but it's just that, it's this wrestling. We have to make this real. We can't just play the game. Literally, God, I ask you to help that person. Help them, and not just help them. God doesn't let us off the hook. He says, intercede on their behalf. That means you go to war for them. You fight for them. You battle for them. You say, hey, Oh, gosh. You know, because here's the problem. You can't intercede for somebody that you don't know what they need. That means you need to get involved in their life. You need to be aware enough to know how to pray for that person. I don't even want to care about them, God. I don't want to know anything about them. They make me crazy. And God, I don't want to think about them. And God's saying, you intercede for them. You take time to figure out what, they're, what they need, and you ask me for that. Oh, Ask God to be good to them. Name it. Name the good that you were asking for for that person. Any of you are just like, man, I did not, I should not have come. I should not have come. I should not have tuned in. If you're online, you turned it off already. So God says this. The first step in developing a heart of love for all people, if, if if it's a struggle for you, it's, listen, we don't need this for the people we love naturally. That just comes. This is for those, the all people part. Start by praying for them. And not just, I pray for them, go to war. Second here, says, it ends the verse and he says, and give, here we go, next one, here we go, and give thanks for them. Don't just pray for them. <laughs> telling you, God, <laughs> give thanks for them. Think about ways that their life is a blessing to you. None, and any, and any. God, I thank you that you showed me how, how great everybody else is in comparison to that person. <laughs> God, I, I thank you that I'm not like them. I thank you that I don't have, right, what we just came through Thanksgiving. This is it. God says, hey, thank me for them. How might God be using them in ways that bring good about in your life? I don't think there are any. Yeah, well, keep thinking then. Keep thinking because God says, this is what you need to do. For your enemies, you pray for them and you give thanks for them. You find reasons to be thankful because they're a child of God. Whether Listen. God made every single person. And as we do those things, listen, our heart does not change magically. It's not like all of a sudden you're like, oh, I love these people. It could be a long time. I want to just prepare you. It could be a long time. Don't quit. If you feel like there's somebody that's just, this is something God is doing in you then. You want to be obedient to God or you want to do it on your own? This is all about humility. God tells us very clearly, pray for all people, ask God to help them, intercede on their behalf, and give thanks for them. And listen, you cannot do this on your own. You can't will yourself to like people. 
It doesn't work that way. We're not that strong. We're not that powerful. And even if we try, it's disingenuous, and they know it. And God knows it. See, praying for others, it keeps us humble. It keeps us, because here's the, here's the thing I was thinking about. I could be on somebody else's list. <laughs> I could be their difficult person. They're like, I don't want to pray for Dan. You know, right? Like, I don't want to even say his name. Like, it could be me. But if we can get a hold of the power of love for all people. See, we're supposed to go and reach all people, and we're supposed to prepare the way for Jesus to come to all people. But we can do all of that stuff. And 1 Corinthians is very clear. If we do all of that stuff, yet we don't have love for those people, we are nothing. A resounding gong and a clanging cymbal, your noise. Oh, man. See, if we will get a hold of this and we actually love people, this is beautiful, this is beautiful, we will truly be acting like children of the Most High God. That's what you do. That's what sets you apart. It's your love. All the world is going to know something is different. It's worth exploring here. And here's who all those people are that's going to know. Ready? It's going to be your mom and your dad and your brother and your sister and your sons or your daughters, your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors, your classmates. It's going to be all of those things. When you begin to love like that, we're not just talking about the world's going to know. Those people that are in your head right now, those Teddy Stallards that are all out there, they're going to know. There's something different here. God did not call us to be a church just to play games, to build buildings, to go do, you know, hand out turkeys on Thanksgiving. Those are all good things. Those are ways that we express the love of God. But if we just do those things and we don't genuinely love people, clanging gong, resounding cymbal, nothing. I'm fully aware this sounds like a very idealistic message. There's a whole world out there of people that need this, of people that need love. How much good really come from a few people in a senior center actually praying for people they don't like and grudgingly giving thanks for people we'd really rather not be around? <laughs> How much good's going to come of that? So I'm going to close with one more story. Probably a very familiar story. One of my, again, another one I heard from my dad. It's an oldie, but it's a goodie. And uh, Nikki, you can come and just play. And we're gonna we're gonna close with this. Once upon a time, an older man and his grandson were taking a walk along the beach one winter day after a storm. Walking as they're walking along the seashore begin to notice that there's more than sand. As they're walking, they come upon, and there's these tiny little starfish that are littered all over the shore. The storm must have turned it up and washed them all up. They're not dead, but they're dying because they need water. So as they're walking, the grandfather's picking them up and just chucking them back in, picking them up and chucking them back in. And his grandson is somewhere in his teens 
After a while, he goes, Grandpa, what are you doing? There's literally thousands of starfish out here. You can't possibly throw them all back. He goes, no, no, I can't. He picks one up, and he holds it up, and he goes, but you know what? It's making a world of difference to this one. He threw it back in. Do for one what you wish you could do for all. Do not despise the day of small beginnings. Know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever done in vain. That's what children of the Most High do. They love one at a time. And we've said since the beginning of Life Tree 11 years ago that we measure success one changed life at a time. There's a whole world out there. What good can we do? Listen, all it takes is one. You make a difference to one Teddy Stallard, I promise you, that echoes in eternity. The angels stand up and applaud. Love. Come through a year, good news, great joy, all people not just about us doing these things. The doing is important, but it's got to come from a place that really, really matters. A place of true love, of genuine love. So, it's my encouragement this Thanksgiving weekend. You can do this. You can do it. One person at a time prayer at a time, one angry thanksgiving to God at a time, (laughs) so that great joy can come to all people. Let's just close in a word of prayer, and I'm going to invite the band to come on back up, and we're going to close in a song. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just ask you to take your word plant it deep in our hearts. Lord, I just sense that as we're hearing this message, this is one of those messages that we already know. Nothing new. But yet it's a message that no matter how old we get, perhaps the older we get, even the harder it may be to live out. So God, we ask you for courage, for strength, for resolve. God, we ask you to give us that endurance, to never never grow weary in doing good, to never stop trying to love those who are unlovable. Lord, you love the unthankful, the wicked. You charge us to love those who hurt us, who curse us, who hate us. We're supposed to love different not supposed to join in with a world that cancels people. We're supposed to rather pour out love on people. So much so that the very people we find difficult will in turn grow to become people who love others. Overflowing love. Lord, so I pray for each and every person here. 
Lord, I just pray right now in this moment that you would make our love grow now. That you would help our love to grow this week and this coming week. That as we commit ourselves to praying for even just one, just one, by name, that we will pray for one, Lord, that you will let the love that's in our hearts increase. Lord, only you can do that. We can't manufacture it, so would you cultivate that in our hearts? Lord, that you would help us to find things to be thankful for, that you would give us the strength not to, not to fall away, not to shy away, not to give in when it feels hard or we're frustrated or we're hurting. But help us understand all the nuances of what this looks like to not allow the enemy to say well it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean this and it doesn't mean that so much so that we completely just stop doing it but lord let us commit to praying for it and to giving thanks for it all people because the heart of our father is for everyone to know how much you love them we commit ourselves to you we are your church Use us in this time, in this place, this age in history. In your good name we pray. Amen.